Who the bloody hell's that? Morning, Ange. Oh, Anthony. How are we? I'm really well. How are you? <laughs> Come on in. I will do. Thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little. No, it's fine. fine. Yeah. I'm going to embrace the whole lounge pant thing next time. I'm going to put my University of New Hampshire lounge pants on. You should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello and welcome to Chapter 4 of the Corona Diaries. Um, we're, we're still locking down, so we're still recording these remotely. I am looking at, uh, at the newly birthdayed uh, Mr Steve Hogarth on screen. Good morning, H. How are you? Morning. I apologise for my appearance and uh, I'm grateful to those of you listening out there that you can't see me because I'm a total disaster. I'm in desperate need of a, of a haircut. My roots need doing. I've got a tooth. <laughs> I've got a tooth <laughs> Apart from that, I'm fine. <laughs> I can confirm the roots do actually need doing, and I can confirm there is there is a tooth missing. Uh, I look, how, I look so like how, an old witch, basically. Just just need a well, cold. I, can, I can, can actually confirm that as well. But um, uh, there's a little bit of a witch vibe going on there. It's fine. Um, how was how was yesterday? How was the birthday? Many happy returns for yesterday. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It was a lovely day. Um, I, I was I, I I started the day with um, coffee and orange juice in bed because I don't really bother with breakfast much. So Lynette and Vibes bought me coffee and orange juice and a few presents, uh, which were, you know, for the most part alcohol related or accompanied. Um, I got three nice bottles of Gewurztraminer Vendange Tardy uh, wine, which is not not. For everybody's taste, but I love it. Looks like liquid marmalade and tastes more or less like liquid marmalade. Um, what else did I get? I got a little picture. Got a couple of t-shirts. Um, I I said I didn't want anything because I've I don't want anything. Um, so I'm I'm an awkward sod to buy presents for because I really don't want anything. Uh, I want for nothing. I've already got everything I ever wanted with the possible exception of a yacht, and that's slightly over the budget. Um, but, you know, apart from that, I'm, 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 I'm tough. I'm a tough person to buy buy things for. Anthony Short bought me a mug that said Corona Diaries on it, so that well, was yes, quite nice. Yes, yes. I had a lovely day. Yeah? Nobody upset me at any point, which is rare. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, 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 you did. You had a, you had a good day. Because I'm easily upset. I'm a sensitive sort. Well, I've noticed I get that. Ruffled. I've noticed that. A drop of a hat. Uh, yeah, no, I've, I've noticed that. Um, so while we're on the subject, I'm going to upset you. Then I'm not going to upset you because I don't think you're upset by it. So there were lots of people yesterday I noticed wishing you a happy, uh, a happy 61st birthday. But of course, that's not true, is it? No, no. I, I was 64 yesterday, and uh, I did start the day. She played me the song at the beginning of the day. And uh, right. my kids came around later and I said, well, I'm 64 and I've got all my own teeth. It's just that some of them are in the cupboard. <laughs> so, so I'm going to have to ask, because I, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask, for the purpose of the podcast, I'll ask, because I think I know this story. But when did you lose three years of your life? 
Because everything everywhere says you were born in 59. Right. Well, what happened was um, I joined the band in 1989, which makes me, would have made me 33 at the time. And um, we, I, I don't know if anybody asked me how old I was, to be honest. Um, not being a not being a boy band or an image band, it wasn't really a concern, I don't think, of the chaps. Um, they were just, uh, they thought the voice was right and I don't think, think anything else mattered much. So um, we wrote Season's End down in Brighton and then we went to a beautiful studio, um, which I don't think exists anymore, in a place near Henley, uh, in Checkenden near Henley, and it's called Hookend Manor. Um, beautiful old sprawling seventeenth um, century manor house, which had been owned by some big new newspaper magnate in the forties or something, and 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 done up all in Art Deco inside. So it's fabulous, and each room had a a theme. Um, so there was a blue room, and there was a pink room, and there was a and I was in the Oriental room, which. Um, I called the opium den. I put a sign on my bedroom door, um, and that's that's kind of partly what it inspired that little that little jam in in uh, in Brave later on that we called the opium den. That was my bedroom at Hook End, um, and it was all full of Oriental antiques and whatnot, and a big Oriental bed, and I used to lie there at night um, with my um, electric grand piano at the end of the bed in case I wanted to play and. A view of the lawns beyond that, out the window, and uh, I thought I was Lord Byron, to be honest. Anyway, um, I was in a deep sleep uh, one particular morning, and the phone rang next to the bed, and I, uh, I picked it up half asleep, and it was our manager, John Arneson. And he said, oh, oh, good morning, Steve, because I, I don't know if they called me H in those days. I can't quite remember at what point that that grew but he said good morning how old are you and i said i'm 33 john and he said do you want to be 30 i said well i'd love to be 30 and he said all right then you are and hung up so i put the phone down went back to sleep 30 years younger not 30 years ago, three, that would have made me three, three. no three, three years younger <laughs> which still felt good um and I guess I didn't really have time, and I wasn't even conscious enough to to think it through and think, oh, you know, once you start with these lies, you've got to keep them going. And so um, it made its way into Wikipedia and therefore became fact. Um, so a lot of people still think I'm three years younger than I am, but I'm not. And I did come clean on stage at Leicester de Montfort Hall at the last convention. I told this story and explain to everybody that I am, in fact, you know, three years older, and uh, I'm sorry, but there you are. I think that's where I heard it, but I was just, it, it amused me when I was, I was, I, you know, I jumped on Facebook briefly yesterday, and it amused me uh, in the plethora of wishes that you got. Very, very nice, very warm birthday wishes that you got yesterday. Everybody, it's the, it seemed to be national, um, share your photo of you with Steve Hogarth Day <laughs> on Facebook yesterday. <laughs> Um, but uh, but yeah, lots of happy sixty ones, and I was thinking, oh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Well, it really used to it really used to piss Richard Barbieri off because he's a year younger than me. 
and uh, and of course because I was lying, it made me a year younger than him, and uh, so he always used to call me, you know, younger brother, uh, sarcastically. Um, uh, that was maybe Rich's paper round, though. He's got a slightly older look about him, hasn't he? <laughs> so, so now I've come clean and I can admit that I'm actually a year older than Richard Barbieri, who sent me a lovely birthday well, message yesterday. Which, oh, bless him. I think, I think moving him. out of London has mellowed him a little. Right. It's made him more fuzzy well, a... and warm and touchy-feely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there was room for mellowness, wasn't there? Let's, let's leave it at that. He came. Uh, he came to our. He came to our, our village when we were working on the the uh, Hogarth Barbieri stuff together, and it really freaked him out because he's lived in Greater London all his life, and he's a mm. sort of Londoner to his bones. And we were sitting in the kitchen, and he kept glancing out the window at people going across the village green, looking slightly nervous. And after a while, he he looked at me and he said, "This um, village." I went, "Yeah," he said. It's not the kind of place where someone would knock on the door with a cake, is it? <laughs> and I said, well, it, has, it doesn't happen very often, but yeah, it is exactly that kind of place. And he looked horrified. And he said, I would call the police. Um, so that, that was Richard's take on random acts of kindness by his fellow man. <laughs> As if, as if you'd call the police. He said, I would. He said, I said, well, why on earth would you do that? He said, because then I'd have to make them a cake, wouldn't I? I said, well, I'm not sure it even works like that, but, yeah, I suppose you'd feel that could be a nice thing to do in return. He said, and then when I gave them that cake, if it wasn't as nice as the one they'd made me, Everybody would talk about it, wouldn't they? I was thinking, God, you've overthought this a bit, mate. <laughs> and then, uh, as, as, as luck would have it, that same morning, um, we we were we were trying to do some work together, and there was a knock on the back door, and it was Lisa from down the road, and she'd made some jellies, and she <laughs> she came and said, "I've made some jellies, and I've got a few left. Would you like one?" And he gave me that. I told you. I told you so. I knew this would happen. Um, and he looked. He looked really shocked. And then, and then we went upstairs. And we were right on the top floor, which is where I am right now. But in the big room next door, uh, you know, tiddling about working on the album. And I'd forgot to tell him it was the day the cleaners came, and we got some Brazilian cleaners back then. And this Brazilian guy just came walking down the corridor on the top floor, smiling, you know, and waving, unannounced. <laughs> and Richard just went into, into shock. He said, who's that? He said, you've got people all over your house. I said, oh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's Paolo, he's the cleaner. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, um, he, yeah, he, he, was, uh, he was a Londoner through and through and village life sort of... Uh, was a little bit, a little bit alien to him, and then that bloke got um, that poor that poor bloke in the army yeah, who was attacked by that bloke with his sword in East London. Mm. Remember that a few years ago, mm. yeah. uh, um, that yeah. um, mad terrorist um, attacked that that guy Lee. He was called Lee. Somebody was he? Was he Rigby? Lee Rigby? Was it? Yeah. yeah. Well, he was he was murdered in the road 
about a hundred yards from where Richard lives. And he he phoned me up and he said, I think I'm rethinking that whole thing about village life (laughs) a bit. (laughs) Anyway, he's moved out to Tunbridge Wells now, which is not exactly a village, but it's a step. No, but he's getting there. He's getting there. He's mellowed. So I digress. Um, I I thought, digress. What was the question? Yes, well, 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 well. I mean, look, we know this is a rambling, oh, sprawling thing, so it's fine. It. We started on yeah, we, 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 yeah, we've done that one, and we've, and we've, we've, we've done your birthday, so that's fine. What I, I thought we, I, well, I thought we'd talk about today was um, rather weirdly from nowhere, Trevor Horn. Yeah, the great man. Um, only because I stumbled upon the album that he put out, reimagining the eighties. Which of course you sing on. I did, yes. Um, and then I seem to, from the back of my head, remembered that you did a few shows mm. around the same sort of time with his band. So I, I, I was going to ask you if you could. Uh, well, let's let's start at the beginning. How do you know Trevor Horn? Gosh. Um, well, we we did mix Brave in Sam West, uh, which was his studio in Notting Hill Gate. Um, back in the eighties, where where he recorded uh, Live Aid and all of that, um, and the first time I ever laid eyes on him was in there, and I was too nervous to say anything to him. And Trevor's quite an unapproachable kind of guy. He's he, he's someone with an aura, you know. He, he's right. got the don't talk to me aura, you know. Mm. Uh, Bit of a Van, Van Morrison type of thing. Yeah, not as not as unpleasant as Van. Just, just he's got a way about him of just looking distracted and like he's he's lost in his own thoughts. Which I don't. It may be a device, or it may be because he is. Um, right. And and so I I, I thought, oh my god, that's Trevor Horn over there. I was all fingers and thumbs because I'd been such a, a big fan of so so much of his work and his sound, you know, I first heard I first became conscious of his sound on on the ABC album on the Lexicon of Love. Um, you know, and that use of, of vibes um on the chords and everything. Which to be honest, I think Marillion nicked for Kaylee. Um, but that's between you and me. Um, Don't tell me that, that was. I think. I think it was at least inspired by the those those vibes and the chord moves in in um, Look of Love, uh, and so I was conscious of Trevor. And then, of course, he did all the Frankie Goes to Hollywood stuff. Yeah. Um, which I think I would describe as not a great band with amazing an amazing sound. You know, so in a way, oh, and then of course he he mixed "Slave to the Rhythm," which which became my my go to track for years and years. And the whole time we were working at Hook End Manor, to be honest, I used to sit by the pool with a jug of pims, listening to "Slave to the Rhythm" on the blaster in the sunshine, thinking, "Well, I've died and gone to heaven. This is as good as it gets." Um, so I was in awe of the of of the talent of the guy, you know, and, and his 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 engineering and his his ears, um, and then he and then he, of course he did that Yes album, nine nine one two five with Owner of a Lonely Heart on it. And I'll leave it. And all those amazing, all those amazing tracks on there, and and of course he joined Yes. Um, so that's kind of how how I knew about Trevor, and then. 
I was at a cla- I was at a classic rock awards evening, sat with Alice Cooper, like you do, um, and this lady came across the room, uh, who I kind of half recognised, and she said, "Hello, I'm Janet Anderson, and I'm from BMG Music." Um, and I thought, oh, I'm pleased to meet you. And she said, oh, I really like what you do. And and then I did an H Natural show at uh, the Hundred Club, and I think she was at that. And I think I, I think I spoke to her after the after the thing, and I thought she was just you know, this is a woman who works at BMG Music. Yeah. Um, and then at some point, um. Hornell Music, who who was publishing the Marillion catalogue, Stuart Hornell decided to retire, and he he sold all our our catalogue to BMG Music, and so he said um, he said oh there's a there's a girl called Janet Anderson works at BMG and um, you know why don't we go and meet her and have lunch with her what you know by way of introducing the band to the company so I said oh yeah I've met her so we went. Anyway, it turns out she's the vice president of BMG, um, and uh, and so you know she spoiled us a bit and gave us the Bruce Springsteen treatment, even though we we weren't perhaps making quite that kind of money for them. Um, and then the next awards ceremony I was at, because I do stagger from one award awards ceremony to another. You know that's my life normally pre lockdown. <laughs> So uh, I was at the Prog Awards not long after that. And in through the door comes Janet Anderson with Trevor Horn on her arm. And she says, uh, hello, have you, met my, have you met my new boyfriend? And I sort of nearly fell to my knees, you know. <laughs> Holy shit. I said, sorry, sorry. I said, can I have my picture taken with him? So <laughs> she said, well, I'll ask him. So uh, he graciously agreed to have his picture taken with me. Um, and that was that. And, and she said, uh, "Oh, you must come. You must come and visit us at the house. We'll all have dinner some sometime. You and Lynetta." I said, "Well, that'd be fantastic." Thinking to myself, "Well, that'll never happen for a kickoff." Um, and sure enough, she made it happen. She she sent me a couple of emails. Found out when we were free, and we went we went up to London and had dinner with Trevor and and, and Janet. And Trevor loves to talk, and um, towards the end of the evening, he was he, he was rapping away about his life, and um, he said, "What are you up to at the moment?" And I said, "Oh, well, not much. I can't remember what Marillion were doing, but I said, we'd finished touring, and I'd got some H Natural shows. It was coming up to Christmas." Yeah. Um, and I said, "Oh, I'm doing a gig at uh, Oxford. You should come." And he said, oh, what day is that? And uh, I said it was, I don't know, 19th of December or something. And he, they looked in the diary and said, oh, we're going to, we'll be, we'll be in, in L.A. at that point, won't we, darling? Yes, we'll be in L.A. at that point. Oh, I said, oh, well, never mind. I said, you can always come to Paris on the 12th in jest. And uh, right. he said, oh, let's have a look. Anyway, they were, still, they were still around on the 12th. He said, we'll come to Paris. Let's come to Paris. Let's go. I said, well, look, it's only a little club. It's not a big gig, Trevor. Mm. It's just a, you know, a sweaty little club that I'm doing. He said, can I play bass? I said, what? I said, well, yeah, if you want. <laughs> Do anything you like. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, well, I'll believe that one. I see it as well. 
Um, but anyway, sure enough, on the to, to cut a, a long story short, um, he came. He turned. He turned up uh, on the day, and uh, I I realised a couple of days before that I was already in in Europe with Phil Brown doing other H Natural shows. When I realised he was actually serious, and I thought, God, I better do something. I better learn video killed the radio star. So I was I was trying to teach myself it in the hotel rooms and things. I'm thinking this just isn't going to sound like anything without some without some beats behind it, you know, without without the fours on the floor. So then I start programming them. I got into Logic and programmed up a a track, and uh, um, and in the end we did it in the encores at my show in Paris. You know, I said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Trevor Horn, like you do, uh, to a lot of French people whose jaws dropped. Um, <laughs> And we played Video Killed the Radio Star. And then we played Really Like, which was one of my tunes from um, Ice Cream Genius. And he played bass on that. And we had a good time. And my sisters had come to that show from Yorkshire because they just got it into their head to come, not knowing anything about it. And they found themselves in the dressing room after the show having gin and tonics with Trevor Horn. So they haven't shut up about it since. And neither would I. <laughs> Had I no. been them, they went back to Doncaster going, we've just been drinking with Trevor on. What the fuck? Um, so that's how I got to know Trevor. And um, at the, on that on that night during the gin, he said, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of making this album called Reimagine in the 80s. And would you like to sing on it? And I went, well, yeah. And he said, well, do you know that track... Um, Ashes to Ashes by Bowie. He said, he said I actually wanted to do uh, Life on Mars because I know you do that and you do it really well. Um, and I, I thought to myself, bloody hell, Trevor Horn just told me I'd do something really well. That's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I can die now. Um, so he said, but it's not an 80s track and it's, it's an 80s album, so we can't do Life on Mars, but do you fancy Ashes to Ashes? I said, yeah. So um, I went up to his house. He's got a, He's now got a little studio in his house. He's got some as well still in... Um, he's moved it around the corner, but it's, it's on Labrook Grove now in Notting Hill Gate. But he has a studio in the basement of his house. And uh, I went down there and, um, you know, threw, threw a few takes of that down um, and he seemed happy with it. I wasn't quite happy with it, but but he said, "Oh, I'll comp it. It'll sound great." And he did, and it, it sounded fine. And then I never heard anything from him for about four months. And then the phone rings one day. And, uh, hi, Steve. It's Trevor. I was like, Trevor who? He went, Trevor Horn. Oh, hello, Trevor. How are you? You know, I, I, I was beginning to wonder if, you know, what had happened. And he said, yeah. Um, uh, and he sounded really awkward. He said, you know that track, um, Ashes to Ashes? I said, yeah. He said, well, I played it to Seal. And he said he quite fancied having a go. And uh, so he did, and it's really good. I thought, oh, well, there goes that then. Um, 
I said, oh, oh right, okay. Well, that, well, that's, yeah, that's great then. Um, he said, so do you fancy doing another one? So I said, well, yeah. So he said, what about um, Different for Girls by Joe Jackson? So well, that's a great song. It is a great you song. Know? So, yeah, I'd love to have a go at that. I know, you know, I know it already. I could sing it you now. So uh, I went there and we did that. So that's how come I sang different for girls. But I have actually got um, in my laptop somewhere. I've I've got a rough mix of me singing "Ashes to Ashes" as well. I'd, I'd probably end up in court Ooh. if I played it to anybody. Ooh. You know, Ooh. Let's not talk about <laughs> Pat- Patreon special to the podcast. <laughs> Let's keep that quiet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'd probably <laughs> have to ask Trevor if he minded. Yeah. But it'd be, be a good excuse to phone him up. And, and his best mate is Lol Cream from 10CC as well. Um, and I got to know Lol because I think Lol was, he invited us to another dinner and Lol was at the dinner. And Lol's just the loveliest person you could ever meet in life. Very, very funny, natural comedian, really warm, uh, very, very modest. Um, in fact, we, I was going to do some show. we were going to do some more shows because... Trevor invited me to do property this year, the festival, before it all got blown out. And uh, I emailed Lol and I said, hey, Lol, I'm going to come do, do do another show with you. And he replied and he said, that's fantastic. I better start practising so I don't let you down. Oh. I mean, how cool is that? Lol From a legend. So, so that gives you an idea of what he's like. He's just lovely. Um, and yeah, we ended up doing some live shows together off the back of that. Um, and Trevor had me singing more and more and more stuff as the tour went on. I ended up singing six or seven songs, and uh, so I ended up cracking through. Uh, oh, I ended up singing "I'm Not in Love" with Lol playing the piano. That was another like, I can. That's a moment. I can die That's now. a moment. Yeah, so, that's a moment. So I, I, I got to sing that, and I got to sing Ash to Ashes and Different for Girls, and uh, he had me singing uh, Blue Monday as well, the New Order track, which was always great fun to stomp through. So, yeah, yeah terrific time and, and amazing people in his band, of course, you know, who were, you know, he'd got... You got Alan Clark who plays keyboards, but well, all sorts of people. But most notably, um, Dire Straits, Eric Clapton, Dire Straits, yeah. Uh, yeah. Phil Palmer on guitar is, who's again just the nicest, nicest. Well, he done Clapton's Straits as well, didn't he? Yeah, Phil Palmer. Yeah, yeah. and he's lovely. He's a lovely person, mm. and I go back quite a long way with Phil because I used to bump into him in Rondor in the eighties. And I don't know how we got. I think I think I might have done a gig with Tina Turner when we were in How We Live, and he, I think he was in Tina's band at that point. And he was always just really, really nice. The, both of those people became kind of the house band in the nineties for all the kind of big events, didn't they? So if there was a Mandela concert or if there was a big collection of musicians and yeah. somebody put a core band together, those two were always in it. Yeah, I found a YouTube thing the other day of McCartney. Um, doing the back end of side two of abbey road at the albert hall with eric clapton um and and mark Knopfler and phil collins drumming and phil's playing guitar in that band as well so he certainly uh rubs shoulders of the great and the good yeah yeah 
Yeah, he was everywhere at that point in time. So, you know, all of these people were kind of patting me on the shoulder after these shows, saying, oh, I really enjoy your singing, man, and blah, 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 blah. And I was just thinking, wow, you know, I feel like I've arrived. So it, it was a massive boost for my confidence. I mean, I, I really enjoyed the album. When I, when I, when I, found, I, st- I, say, I stumbled on the album, listened to it, remember seeing something on some social media about you, the fact you'd played the shows... Uh, and then, and that prompted us to, uh, a while back to have the conversation first time around. But the the album's great, and I bet the shows are amazing. Yeah, they were great. They were great fun. I mean, I stressed a lot over which which jacket I was going to wear for which song. I did. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, there was a review of one of the shows that said said uh, Steve Hogarth wore more had more costume changes than Widow Twanky. <laughs> Which was fair. <laughs> you're, you're, you're not going to get a better review than that, are you? <laughs> I must ask you actually one day about whether you ought to do pantomime, but we'll leave that. I'm for ready. A, I'm waiting for the. We'll I'm waiting that. for the call. We'll leave that for a seasonal episode. You'd be great in pantomime. Only in drag. I mean, I have been. Yeah. We, when I lived in Charlton, there used to be a village panto, and I was. Uh, I was Dame, uh, what was I? I was the Dame in one of those. Um, what the hell was I called? Bessie Bosom, I think I was called. And I was <laughs> Snow White's nurse. Um, and I've got photographs. They're, they're truly hideous. <laughs> and then I did, and then I got up as Silla Black at the end on one of them. Um, <sighs> so, yeah, any excuse, and I'm, I've got tights on and a dress. Yeah, yeah, it's not pretty. No, but... It's an it's an image. Yeah, it's yeah. you know, I'm 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 right there with Grace and Perry. I think we put it in the show notes last week that this that that, that this show is not educative, but it, it might be entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think we've just proved that. Proved that again. Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll take a little. We'll take a little break, and we'll go. We'll go to the diary, which for the first time I've not listened to yet oh. because you recorded. And you sent it through to me, didn't you? So I'm going to kind of piece it into the into the podcast. So uh, so I've not listened to it. Um, so we'll take a little break, uh, and I ought to perhaps listen to it, and then we'll perhaps I think have it's a little. The same a, a, a week little... continued. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, well, we, we are... it's like oh, it's it Thursday, feels... so it must be Poland. <laughs> oh, it's Friday, so it must be Iceland. Oh, it's Saturday, it... so it must be in London. It's Sunday. Oh, he's it... plumbing the dishwasher in. It's Monday. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Princess Stephanie and Monaco has just gone past in the corridor. It was literally like that from one day to the next. It was a bizarre, and it's and it's crazy because what we're on episode we're on chapter four, and we've done so. This is the fourth reading of the diary, and yet in real time, you know, we've we've lived longer than the time that the diary is actually covered. If you know what I mean. So this has been like six weeks, eight weeks from the first time you started reading it. We've only covered about a week and a half. No, that, that's, um, that's exactly right. And I'd probably covered well, about a thousand miles in that week and a half. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, it was crazy. Well, we'll go to that. We'll go to that, and then we'll 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 uh, we'll we'll have a break while we do that, and then we'll have a little regroup and a little natter after we've listened to the next instalment, the next thrilling instalment <laughs> of the Invisible Man. Diaries. The next afternoon. <laughs> the next afternoon. See you in a minute. Tuesday, 
3rd of September. Home, London. Had a lie-in. 11.45. Woke to the sound of the phone. John Arneson with awful news. Capital Records, America, have changed their minds. No deal. They lie to you in L.A. Hit and run should have seen it coming. Maybe they did. Oh, well. So much for management with clout. Quote, unquote. I remember Tony Smith coming out to Stanbridge Farm when we were writing Holidays in Eden to talk us into allowing him to absorb John into his management company. He promised much in return. I seem to remember him saying he could get an American deal by just picking up the phone. Took my girls with me to London in the afternoon for an interview with Midlands TV in Wardour Street. Got back at seven and went to the bar 163 in Egham for tea. Bob Harris rang in the afternoon to set up a visit to sit in on his show on Wednesday the 11th. I'm looking forward to it. He's a lovely chap and by far my favourite DJ. I heard from Phil Ward-Large that Alan and Joe Jones have lost their baby. As he said, it puts everything else into perspective. I don't know what to do. Leave them alone for a while, or phone and say how sorry I am. Wednesday the 4th of September. Home, London, home. Rose at Nine was collected by Grubby John and Range Rover to Nomis Rehearsal Studios in Kensington, London, early, as I couldn't use the car today. Dizzy had antenatal at one o'clock. Everything okay at bang on 33 weeks, although she's had some slight bleeding, which we'll obviously have to keep an eye on. Day one of rehearsals seemed to go well. Mad Jack doesn't seem to have quite the programming nightmare on his hands that we suspected. Phew. I'm singing well. Got home in time for a cuddle with Fee and stayed up late learning side two of misplaced childhood. Thursday the 5th of September. Home, London, home. Arrived at Nomis to discover John and Keith Drinkwater, our merchandising man, with programmes and posters to approve. Much moaning was absorbed by Mr Arneson, re-capital USA, but really it's all spilled milk. Finally started rehearsing around 2pm. Woman's Own wanted a quote about what makes England special. I said it was the BBC, without which we all might as well move out. Got home to find long-awaited dishwasher awaiting installation in the kitchen. Major project. Friday, 6th of September. Home, London, home. Rose early and spent until mid-afternoon drilling, screwing and sawing at the kitchen cupboards in order to install the new dishwasher. Went into Nomis, covered in sawdust and plaster dust for three o'clock and rehearsed until nine. Someone phoned about going on The Clothes Show. There's talk of Litchfield being on as well. I wonder if I'll get to meet him. Saturday, 7th of September. Home, London, home. Work, work, work. Spent the morning on drains and plumbing once again. Arrived late at Nomis and was lightly reprimanded. Narrowly escaped being pulled by the police on the way in when I passed a police car at 100 miles an hour on the M4. 
Fortunately, they overtook me and did the bloke in the murk in front. I should think so too. Rehearsals are going well. For once, everyone's panicking except me. Cover my eyes was sounding much better today. I think I've just about got the misplaced side two stuff licked. Sunday, 8th of September. Home. Finished off the dishwasher. It works. The drains dripped a bit, but I fixed them with a bit of PTFE tape. Took the girls up to the green for a pint, a kick of a ball, some swinging, and then back along Barley Mow Road, picking blackberries. Diz made a crumble, and very nice it was too. Angie Fountain popped round in the evening, but I didn't talk much as I was tinkering with persistent dripping drains. Tomorrow, however, I will be a rock star. Monday, 9th September, home Amsterdam. Up at eight and off to Heathrow. Uneventful flight to Amsterdam. Arrived at the American Hotel at one thirty and had a couple of hours off before the first interview. Had lunch in the hotel cafe and went for a walk. Saw a nice pair of chisel-toed shoes, which I should have bought. Went and had Irish coffee in the Lights Plain Square, where people skate in the winter. Took me back to the old Europeans' paradiso days. We had opened for Dead Can Dance and the Cocteau Twins. I remember the Cocteaus going down a storm and being really jealous, and then really confused to see Liz Fraser crying backstage after the show. Now I kind of understand. You can get upset going down a storm, and I often have. Maybe she couldn't hear herself. That'd do it. After interviews and a couple of photo sessions, we went off to Countdown, the Dutch Top of the Pops, with dry land. This is in Hilversum, about an hour's drive from Amsterdam. The lip sync was a bit tricky, as they were using the edited version, but they should have it if they edit between both takes. After that, we had Cajun food at a restaurant in downtown Amsterdam and then back to bed, an early night, one thirty. Tuesday, 10th of September, Amsterdam, London, home. Up at nine and time for a quick breakfast before heading off to Schiphol for the 10.30 flight to Heathrow. Uneventful, if not on time. Took off to Crazy by Seal on the Walkman, which is what I've been taking off to lately. Arrived back at Terminal 4 and we were met by a limo to take us straight to Nomis for rehearsals. Seemed to go quite well despite everyone being tired. Princess Stephanie of Monaco was in the room next door. Didn't look too hot in the flesh actually. I'm sure she speaks highly of me. Nomis is one of those places where you can pop to the cafe and rub shoulders with legends in the queue. I remember sitting next to Van Morrison once and thinking perhaps he was a plumber. Mick Jagger once went past. I saw John McEnroe and Vita Scarolitis wandering down the corridors with guitars. They used to jam with Motorhead in the evening. Also said hello to Ian Dury in these corridors. And Boy George, who said about the Europeans, Aren't you that lot that wear the leotards? You'll never get anywhere dressing up. Strangest of all was a chap in a business suit and little spectacles, who I later realised was Jim Osterberg. When he isn't wearing the suit and specs, he becomes Iggy Pop. Wednesday, 11th of September. Home, London. 
Up at eight with Fifi, had to go to Nomis for 11.30 to meet Lou Musgrave, EMI rep, who was coming down with the technical bod from TVS, that's TV South. Frantically packed my clothes and half of my record collection for later in the day. After Lou had finished at one, I was supposed to go to lunch with a Brazilian, but it was cancelled. Much to my relief, a long day was ahead. Rehearsed the set with the boys until, tired and hoarse, I staggered into yet another waiting car, which took me through slow, heavy traffic to a studio near Tower Bridge, where I was to be shot, i.e. headshot, vocal performance, close-up for the Dryland video. I arrived late, exhausted, stressed and gibbering, told Howard I wanted the performance to be weird rather than Engelbert, so that's what he did. Hair wringing wet, dripping, and eyes glued threateningly to camera. I was trying to get that Charlotte Rampling vibe from Woody Allen's Stardust Memories. At 11.45pm, I dashed out of there into a cab and straight to Radio 1, where I co-DJed with Bob Harris and played my fave records until 2am when I bade farewell. Philip Schofield popped in, and I mentioned I'd seen him at Sarah Ball's private viewing. Sarah Ball is the artist who painted the front cover of Marillion's Holidays in Eden. Bob's wife, Trudy, tried to take a snap of me with Bob, but her camera had run out of film. They're going to try again at Hammersmith. He gave me a copy of his Best of the Test CD, which he dedicated and autographed. What a lovely chap. Thursday, 12th of September, London, Maidstone, London, home. Stayed in London overnight in order to get to EMI in the morning to go to Maidstone, where I was to address the conference. It took ages. I knew it would. I remembered only too well from my days in the back of the Euros transit van, that drive through Lewisham and Blackheath, to play in the corner of the ship pub. I opened my speech as follows. I'm thinking of having a vasectomy. Has anyone here had one? Hands up. No one made a sound. I must never go into comedy. They took me back to London in the old stretch murk, which I seem to be spending half my time in. I find riding around in a limo opens me up to all manner of wanker and dickhead hand gestures from passers-by. Looking anyone in the eye seems to invite hostility. No wonder people have tinted glass. It's like being back in Doncaster when I was 17, except that I didn't need a limo, just a bathrobe and yellow clogs. Didn't start rehearsing till 5.30. One run through, and that was it. Thank you, gents. Gear down. See you in Liverpool. Went straight from no Mr Twickenham via Mark's place by the river in Putney to see Cry No More at the Turk's Head. Met Diz who had come down with Englefield Green Chums, Sue and Graham. Roy was his usual indomitable and utterly obscene self, relentless and high-spirited, despite the slack audience attendance. Criminal. The slack audience, that is, not Roy. Mark and I decided we'd even share hotel rooms to get them on the second leg of the European tour. We were drunk, though. Friday, 13th of September. Home, London, home. Had the morning off. Stayed in bed till 12. Took Fifi to the park. 
then drove into town for an interview with Radio Scotland. Got a bit cross with the interviewer, who was a pillock. Priv was mixing the Cumbria Rock Festival show at BBC Maida Vale, so I dropped by to see how he was doing. Slogged round Covent Garden trying to find shoes for the tour. No luck. I'd earlier bought black jeans in Chelsea. The staff in American Classics recognised me and knocked six quid off. Saturday, 14th of September. Home, day off. Tidied the shed. Mowed the lawn, did the accounts. Took fee to the steam fair on the green. Lovely. A little fair in the Victorian tradition. Completely powered by steam engines. All chugging away around the back of the carousels and sideshows. Ran into lots of village chums. Saw Darrell Way and his giggly wife, Juliet, with little Lauren, who is now walking. Went to the barley mow for a half. Fifi fell down and did a complete forward roll in the road. Nasty bump on the head and much noise, bless her. She's okay, though. Maybe she'll have a lie-in tomorrow. We live in hope. Sunday, 15th of September. Home, London, Liverpool. She didn't. To make matters worse, Des was up all night with Deli Belly and feels awful. Oh no. Got up with Fee at half seven and spent the morning doing my accounts and trying to pack for the tour. At 12.15 I was chauffeured to Soho to Why Not Films to have a look at the offline edit of the Dry Land video. Mark and Steve were also there. My performance is weird and intense. EMI will hate it. Had a word or two with Howard and then ran off to Putney to get on the tour bus to go to Liverpool. Halfway up the road I realised I'd left my address book at home, which of course contains all my guest lists and important numbers. The traffic was lousy on the M6, so we didn't get to Liverpool till 10pm. Checked in and popped round the corner to have a look at the production. The new drapes look great and work really well with the lights. Time for a quick drink and off to bed. My room smells of Harpic. Well, we're back, and that was the that was the diary entry for this week. Unusual for me because I wasn't in the room when it was read for the first time. But um, but you know, I've listened back, and uh, and 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 beautifully read it was too. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't let him in through the bedroom window. He was knocking. <laughs> <laughs> been sat outside your house for three weeks. <laughs> Come on, Anthony. Time to go back to Yorkshire now. <laughs> oh, dear. your wife will be your wife will be worried. Well, well, we'll talk about that on a different <laughs> day. Um, but I don't like leaving Yorkshire if I can avoid it. So, um, I'm going to have to ask you about a few things in that diary extract. First and foremost, what's Bob Harris like? Uh, I've I've known Bob for since I was in the Europeans. I think it was the first time I met him, and uh, he's just lovely. He's just a, a warm, lovely person. Um, I I somehow got to know his wife. I think his wife was his producer. Maybe she still is, Trudy. Right. Uh, she's very nice too. She used to be Mohammed Al Fayed's personal assistant at Harrods. Wow. So she knows where the bodies are buried. Our bodies are buried. So, yeah. Uh, I've never I did I've never known her well enough to get that out of her but um but Trudy's very nice, Bob's lovely, um and 
yeah, he's always trying to help where where and and when and when he could. So massive. I mean, the thing about Bob Harris is, if you look at all those old old grey whistle tests, I mean, you name them. He's sat and talk, I mean, he's sat and talked with Jimi Hendrix for God's sake, and you know all the all the the, the people that I just think of as in the heavens of rock and roll. He's 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 chatted to you know he know he knows them all, and he's lovely. I used to love his. Uh, I was saying to you um, off mic. I used to love his his country show uh, because it wasn't really country in that kind of twangy. My dogs just died country. It was it was very sort of Americana and alt country. And I thought his his some of the stuff he picked and some of the bands he introduced me to, absolutely fantastic. He's, and like you say, just he's just lovely to listen to. Just just you know. You can always instinctively tell when somebody is completely engaged. In, in the art form that they're presenting. You know, there's the people who kind of perhaps were once and the shine went off it for them, you know, over the years of doing it. Uh, and then there are maybe even those people who were never really into it at all and it was just a, a job. Um, and then there are some of the DJs. Um, maybe I shouldn't mention any names, but I, I've met... I met some of the some 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 people who who uh, it really was all about them, you know. Yeah. Bob's not like that. He's it's all about the music. Um, for him, you can tell he's engaged in what he plays, and how he's genuinely interested in in what he's playing. And genu- genuinely has soaked it up and found out about it, and that's the kind of guy he is. He hasn't. He hasn't got someone else doing all that for him and then presenting it to him on an auto yeah. cue. He's he, he's just very solid. Um, so in, in fact, in the in that last diary section, I, I sat up with him in the middle of the night for about three hours playing all my favourite records. I played some mm. XTC and all of that on you know on BBC radio. I think it was radio. Was it Radio One at night, or was it Radio Two? I can't remember. But I'd, probably Radio One back then. Again, I'd already I'd had one of those days where I'd I'd got up, got in a in the back of a car, been taken somewhere, listened to something, gone somewhere else, been shopping, gone somewhere else, uh, Tower Bridge, uh, been videoed singing Dry Land with me with me hair wet with a manic gaze, and then straight into another car to to Radio 1, uh, you know, staggering in there at about midnight and then and then sitting up with Bob Harris till 2 in the morning. I used to have days like, I mean, I just couldn't do it now. I think I'd die halfway through it now. But <laughs> I just used to be everywhere and nowhere, baby. It's a very little rock and roll section that you'd read, actually, because you've, you've name-dropped like a man possessed in, that, <laughs> in those few days, didn't you? I mean, Mick Jagger... John McEnroe, Van Morrison, Iggy Pop. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that was no miss. I mean, I, I, I think it's gone now. Um, in fact, in the end, Sanctuary Music took over that building, and we and Sanctuary managed Marillion for a, I don't know, three weeks or something, and and we used to go in and out of there for meetings. Um, but it had been the the rehearsal room, and so you could go in there to rehearse 
and you could come out the door as I, you know, as I did, and and Mick Jagger would walk by, and you'd go, oh, my shit, a Brit, that's Mick Jagger. God, isn't he small? He's even smaller than me. Um, uh, you know, as I, as I said in the piece, you'd kind of see Princess Stephanie in Monaco and thinking, well, she, you know, she she obviously scrubs up a lot better than she looks right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then one night, way back in the 80s, I was walking down the corridor and Vita Scarolitis and John McEnroe were coming the other way with kind of Woolworths guitars. And uh, it was Wimbledon week. And, and, and so when they were in... When they were in England for Wimbledon, in the evenings, they'd go to Nomis and they would jam with Motorhead. Um, so the drummer and, you know, and, and, and the bass, Lemmy, would, would lay down a groove and, um, and they would go and get off on, on being, you know, pretend rock stars for a bit. And I heard a rumour, but I mean, I don't know if you want to put this in, but the rumour was that... Vetus and John paid for the cocaine and um, <laughs> and Motorhead paid for the studio time and that was the deal. So I Seems a reasonable deal. I think the tennis players used to come, you know, tooled up with the goods uh, for uh, for the boys. And I used to rehearse next to Motorhead sometimes with Marillion. That was always funny. You'd get there at, you'd get there at noon to start. And you'd go into your rehearsal room and next next door coming through the wall you just hear and the drummer had got there on his own and he always drummed like the band were playing before they'd got there you know she just and after about an hour the rest of the band had shown up and then you do for about an hour and a half and then the band had, had, had fuck off and you and the drummer would keep going. You just <laughs> yeah, again. Um, so they were quite funny. I did say hello to Ian Dury one night. I was this was back in the days of the Europeans. And as I said in the in the piece, uh, boy George was coming up the corridor and said, "Oh, you're in the Europeans." And I said, "Yeah." He said, yeah. "Aren't you that lot that wear leotards?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "Oh, you'll never get anywhere dressing up." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Tony Hadley once open once held the door open so I could get through the door of the cafe with a with a tray of drinks, you know. And they were number one in the chart at that point. Yeah. So you know that was cool. You know you remembered the people who were cool, and yeah. the people who who were not. You know who didn't want to know. It's like I'm a big star and leave me alone. You know. And uh, yeah, and I thought Van Morrison was a plumber. I was sat right next to him thinking, who's that old fella there? You know, is he in to do the drains? And it's a good job I didn't ask. <laughs> and you see, you've done it again. That's a beautiful segue, in to do the drains. <laughs> and we need to finish on the highlight of the diary piece, oh, the yeah. dishwasher. Yes, yes, that was that was way back in the Englefield Green days, of course. And um, the dishwasher came when you know, we had to make a space for it in the kitchen. And I had to uh, I had to put a, a main a main supply in for it and and then fasten it to the the waste the waste pipes all of that you know and when I was young and daft I used to be an electrical engineer that's another story uh, so I know oh, my oh we'll come back to it we'll I know my way it. around a mains tester um, <laughs> and uh, so I was screwing a 
socket on the wall and doing all that and hammering and drilling and covered in plaster dust and God knows what. And there'd be there'd be cars outside waiting for me with the engine running because there'd be a band waiting to rehearse in <laughs> in, uh, in West London. And that was the first time I ever got my wrists slapped by by Marillion. We'd got on really well up to then, uh, yeah. but I I turned up late two days running, you know, right. and uh, they weren't best pleased. Um, it was only because, you know, I've got a bit bogged down with the roll plugs. <laughs> <laughs> Holidays need and tour, the tour that nearly didn't happen I'll, because of a dishwasher. Oh, let me tell you the Steve Howe story. I, I, um, that was another occasion. I, I needed a bit. We used to keep our equipment at Nomi's. Uh, they used to have like a, a cellar downstairs full of cage, locked cages and all the different bands used to keep their gear down there. And it always used to take forever to get anything out because you could never find the member of staff that had the key for the padlock for your cage, you know. And you'd go, there'd always, there'd always be a girl on reception. Hello, no miss. Have a nice day. Glad you're here. But, you know, there wouldn't actually be much use if you wanted anything. Um, and on this particular day, the traffic was dreadful. I think I was on my way. I had to go to an airport, so I was really late. But I needed this bit of gear. It was a digital delay line or something. I can't remember. And I'm in the back of this car, and I and I I had um the 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 driver had a mobile phone, so I I I phoned ahead and I and hello no miss can I help? And I said yeah, it's Steve. Um, can you make sure? Could you do me a big favor? I'm incredibly late, and I'm coming in to pick up a bit of gear out of Marillion's cage. Um, could you and the the kid who used to let you in to the cages was called Steve, as well. So I'm Steve. Obviously, he was called Steve. Could you make sure Steve's down there already? I'm going to be there in ten minutes. I'm stuck in traffic. If you can make sure he's down there already, just to let me in our cage so I can grab this thing. Sure, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll make sure. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Uh, so I get there. I go. I I, I go through the through the door like a bull. And straight down the stairs, looking for Steve, and expecting this kid Steve to be standing by our open cage. Here it is. I mean, they charged you a lot of money for these storage facilities, so you you had every right to expect at least for them to let you in. Um, so I get there, and of course it's padlocked, and Steve's nowhere to be found. So I just see red, and I'm going Steve! down this long corridor, and it's echoing around. And with that, this door flies open. This bloke jumps out and he goes, what, what? And I go, in his face. And halfway through it, I realise it's Steve Howe. And he'd been in, he must have been in Yes's cage, you know, tuning up his guitars or doing what he's doing, polishing, <laughs> polishing his machine head. And... Um, this guy used to be a hero of mine when I was a kid, and there I am tearing his face off. And he went, "Oh my god, oh my god!" And he starts running up and down the corridor to try and find the key to to our cage before I fully realised who he was. And I just thought, "Oh Christ Almighty!" And I just called him everything from a pig to a dog. Where's Steve? Fucking hell, Steve! Um, and I met him again, obviously, years later. He's never mentioned it, but I don't know if that's because he's forgotten it or because, or, or, you know, there's just... 
<laughs> he just thinks I'm a twat. <laughs> <laughs> well, equally and he could be forgiven. He could be forgiven for thinking that. I don't think there's a better place really to leave it this week than that. But we have got we have got a little bit of housekeeping that we need to do just before we finally go away. The big news being um, that we are going to be working on. Um, we're going to be working on a, a way you can support the show. So um, we're going to be setting up a Patreon page over the course of the next few days, and that's going to allow you to uh, to, to get involved and help support the show. We 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 love to keep this show coming every week. Uh, we've we've uh, we've found time in the diary to allow that to happen, but there's a cost in production, and so to keep it to keep it running, we're we're looking for a bit of uh, a bit of help if you want to support the show. Um, and of course, we're going to uh, you know for those people that that want to get involved in support, we're going to be providing some extra bits of content. So uh, we're working on we're working on a few ideas, aren't we? We've got some uh, we've got some kind of ideas for what those extra bits will be. Yes, we've got to we we got to pay your petrol, basically. You've got to we? pay my petrol. Yeah. Pay your yeah. pe- and petrol and uh, keep you in and the uh, tent. Keep you the in tent for living on the green. Keep you in crumpet, so or wherever yeah. you you people eat up north. <laughs> oh, 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 oh dear! Look at you abandoning your roots. Um, There's no abandoning my roots, mate. They're there every morning when I look in the yeah, mirror. Yeah. Well, 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 there we back back where we started. So, so look look out for some information on that coming uh, next week. Um, and the only other thing is, thanks to everybody who's given us some really lovely feedback. There's some been been some fantastic feedback uh, from everybody. Uh, so thanks. Keep those coming. We love reading the comments. Yeah, and do, um, and do leave a note on my guest book if you're, if you're passing uh, stevehogarth.com. In fact, there was a, a very nice German fellow the other day who said, who said he'd been enjoying these podcasts a lot. And uh, if he could help in any way, I only had to ask. So here we are asking. Uh, yes. Sub- subscribe. We're not going to charge much. No, no, no. We, we're talking cost of a cup of coffee type thing, but it just take, help, it help keeps everything spinning. Uh, so that would be good. And then the only other thing is obviously keep an eye on uh, Steve's Instagram feed, keep an eye on his Facebook page. There's also the links for my uh, things out there, my A Short, Story, a Short Stories Facebook page and Instagram feed. If you want to follow those as well, I'll be posting bits about the show. So there's going to be loads of nuggets coming out over the next the next few days and and i guess we'll we'll wrap this and we'll do the same next week i suppose well hasn't it been fun it's been fantastic fun it's been it's, f- i, I, it's I been really fun. look forward to these this hour and a half of i mean let's face it nonsense have right? i offended anyone i think i've been fairly measured oh, haven't i i think you've been fine i've I named a few bit a lot you've named dropped you've named dropped a hell of a lot this week yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, but you've not given any personal details out this week, so there's no more f- previous addresses this week. <laughs> um, so that's that's good, and you've 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 not had a go at anybody anybody Danish or wherever it was that lady was from last week. Uh, yeah, you've been all right this week. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> right, so we'll say we'll say well, it bye. was Western uh, Union. That was the Western Union yes. was what I couldn't remember last week. By the yes. way, the, the, the money <laughs> you, transfer. You, you messaged me that, and I was like, "What the hell is he banging on about?" It just came apropos yeah, of nothing. In the middle of the night in a wake up. Ah, Western West, Union. Western Union. <laughs> yeah, that was a little bit shocking. Um, but right, well, I'm trying. I'm trying to wrap up, and it's yeah, not working. Sorry, so I'll shut up. Put, yeah. my, wrap put up. my foot down. R- wrap up. I'm wrapping up. I'm wrap wrapping up. up. Right, we'll see you. Shut up. Right.
We will see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Take care. Stay safe. Stay safe, cats. Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.